Sand Dune Pony by Troy Nesbitt Chapter 1 No Horse to Ride Pete sat on the Opry House rail of the corral with every muscle tense. In a minute, Slim would be trying once more to take the kinks out of Cracker Jack. Pete's Uncle Lem said that Slim was a top peeler, which meant that the cowboy was a first-rate bronc buster. But so far, Slim hadn't been able to get anywhere with Cracker Jack. Day after day, the horse had unloaded him. Pete hoped this time would be different. He wanted Cracker Jack turned into a good cow pony. Rough broke, and then topped off, Slim called it. Until that happened, Pete couldn't depend on having a horse to ride. Pete envied Slim, as the cowboy tightened the cinch on the saddle. He was certain he could stay on the hurricane deck of a bronc as well as Slim could, although he'd never ridden anything but gentle stable horses back in Chicago. And he'd done plenty of that after school and on Saturdays when he worked as a stable boy for his friend Tim Mulligan, who kept horses for people to ride in the park. With Slim in the saddle and the blindfold off the bronc's eyes, Cracker Jack gave a few mild crow hops, then suddenly exploded into the air and came down with all four legs stiff. Once, twice, three times, the horse did this pile driver trick, and Slim's head snapped around like a leaf on the end of a twig. On his fourth leap, Cracker Jack turned almost end for end in midair. He's showing daylight, Pete yelled, as the bronc heaved Slim up out of the saddle. Slim struggled to regain his balance but Cracker Jack had his number. The horse sunfished twice, throwing first his right shoulder almost to the ground and then his left. That was the end of Slim's ride. As the cowboy picked himself out of the dust, Uncle Lem Perkins shook his head. It's a wonder that hombre has any bones left in his body. Cracker Jack has Slim picking daisies every day for a week now. I'd like to try Cracker Jack, Uncle Lem, said Pete. How about giving me a chance tomorrow? I know you can ride, Pete, Uncle Lem said, but the answer's still no. I just can't take a chance on having any more men from this ranch in the hospital. You know what I run a bad luck that's been around here? I even hate to let Slim fork them ponies in the rough string. I swear I don't know what I'd do if I lost another hand. Pete knew that his uncle was talking sense. Sure, he said. You're right. I just wish I could be a little more help myself. He meant it, but he knew he couldn't do much more than chores around the place until he had a horse to ride and could get a little experience working with the regular cowhands. Still, he wasn't one to give up easily. He had come here to ride, and he intended to, one way or another. Last winter in Chicago, when Aunt Claire and Uncle Lem came east to visit, Uncle Lem had promised Pete a summer, and a horse, on his lazy B-4 ranch in Colorado. Pete had worked almost every day in the stable and saved every penny in order to pay his bus fare west. But when he arrived, day before yesterday, he found that things had gone wrong. In the spring, Uncle Lem's barn had burned down one day when he was out on the range, destroying his truck and tractor. In order to make the payments on new equipment and the new barn, Uncle Lem had sold all except two of his good cow horses. His three cowhands were riding half-broken animals while they did their summer work on the range. 
and Slim was staying around now, training a new string of horses to take the place of the old ones Uncle Lem had sold, getting them in shape for the fall roundup. But that wasn't the worst of it. Uncle Lem had kept Rocket, a spirited but well-broken horse for Pete to ride during the summer. Then, the day before Pete arrived, all kinds of trouble started. Rocket broke his leg and had to be shot. That left only the Bronx and Uncle Lem's own horse, Bridger. Then one of the cowboys got appendicitis, and yesterday Uncle Lem had driven him to the hospital in Alamosa. Pete had had a chance to ride Bridger his first day on the ranch, but from now on he knew such chances would be scarce until Slim really topped off Cracker Jack or one of the other rough horses. Uncle Lem would need Bridger most of the time taking the sick cowboy's place himself. Uncle Lem saw how serious Pete looked. I wish I had a horse for you, Pete, he said. If you can hold out for ten days or two weeks, one of these hammerheads should be fit to ride. Pete ran one big hand through his stubby brown hair. Then he put his new Stetson back on. Well, he could always practice with his lariat. He needed practice, too, but wanted to get out and explore. Close to the ranch house, there was only flat alkali land covered with sagebrush. But off to the east, the enormous range of the Sangre Cristo Mountains thrust up from the plain. Their dark, heavily wooded sides were cut with steep canyons and swift trout streams. And lying up against the range just south of Crestone Needles were the shimmering sand dunes, an expanse of real desert that, about which Uncle Lem had told him curious legends last winter. Uncle Lem had said that shepherds and whole flocks of sheep had been swallowed up by the sand. He had said that phantom webbed-footed horses were supposed to race across the ridges of the dunes by the moonlight. Pete's long legs could take him over the dunes and back in day, of course, but that wouldn't leave much time for looking around. Besides, he liked company when he went exploring. Half the fun of going places as far as he was concerned was having somebody interesting to talk to. Uncle Lem, Pete said, how about letting me go along with Juan when he's riding fence tomorrow? I can tell a broken barbed wire when I see one as well as you can. Uncle Lem grinned. Only trouble with that is one rider goes one way and the other goes the other when you're riding the fence. You don't just locate a break where the cows can get through. You have to fix it too. Do you know how to mend barbed wire when it's broken? I could learn, Pete said stubbornly. And besides that, Uncle Lem went on, I've watched you with your lariat. Don't get sore when I say this, but do you think you could rope a steer and get him out if you found him bogged down in the swamp? There's nothing less grateful than one of them critters when he's rescued. I wouldn't want to find you waving around like a flag on some steer's horns. You gotta know cattle and barbed wire and a few other things besides horses to do a cowhand's work. Pete started to say again that he'd go along with Juan and learn, but he knew that was no good. His uncle did need two men who knew their business. He'd have to just make the best of it. Okay, Pete said with a smile, but he still hadn't given up the idea of doing something himself, instead of just sitting at a little private rodeo day after day while Slim topped off a horse for him to ride. He'd made up his mind he'd wangle him a horse somehow, and something to do on horseback before the two weeks were up. Well, I might as well practice with my rope before supper, Pete said. 
He swung himself down to the ground with a rattle of his useless spurs. He'd been trying to learn the tricks of the lariat, but he still couldn't make the loop open the way he knew it should. He had a good right arm for pitching a screwball on a baseball diamond, and he had a keen eye. But time and again, his loop didn't open right when he made a cast at one of the two sturdy burrows that wandered around his uncle's place. As he turned towards the barn for his rope, he saw a peculiar-looking outfit rolling up the narrow road that led in from the highway five miles off. A team of horses was drawing what looked like, for all the world, like an old-fashioned covered wagon. In a minute, the wagon had pulled up in front of the kitchen door. The driver leaned out and shouted, Hey, Clam! Hey, Clary! Then he climbed down over the front wheel of the wagon and stretched himself. He was a small, dried-up-looking old man, and he made light, quick motions like an aspen leaf in the breeze. Hey, Clary! he called again in a squeaky voice. Pete walked towards the visitor and noticed that he wore moccasins instead of cowboy boots, and that a long, white hair curled out from his Mexican-type black sombrero. Hi, Pete said. Aunt Clara's in the kitchen. What's she the aunt of? The old man said. You? I never heard that Lamb Perkins was an uncle. Well, he is, Pete said, smiling. Just then, Aunt Clara called cheerily from the doorway. If it isn't Hatsy, and just in time for supper, as usual, how long you staying this time? Only overnight, the old man answered. You know fishing's too good up here around Crestone for me to waste time here. May I unhitch your horses? Pete asked. The old man looked Pete over shrewdly. Clary, who's this yearling you've got here all dressed up like a male or a cowboy? Why, that's our nephew from Chicago, Aunt Clara replied. Hatsy, meet Pete Perkins. He's Lamb's baby brother's son. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Hatsy said in a kind of grand manner that Pete liked. Sure, you can unhitch the horses if you can tell one end from the other. They could stand some water, too, but don't let them drink their way clear into the well. After his first look at Hatsy, Pete had scarcely taken his eyes off the horses. They were unlike any animals he'd ever seen. Small, beautifully shaped creatures with liver-colored necks, shoulders, and forelegs. The hindquarters were almost white, with mahogany spots dotted here and there. The faces were white, and the hind feet had white stockings. Under the dust from the road, Pete could see that their coats were well-groomed. Although they stood quietly resting, their heads and eyes were alert. These were finer horses than any he'd curried in the stable in Chicago, not the kind you'd expect to see pulling a covered wagon. And Pete was pretty sure he knew the breed. They were Appaloosas, a unique strain developed by the Ne Perse Indians up north. With Hatsy's appraising eye on him, Pete unhitched the horses, put on the halters that Hatsy got from the wagon, and led them to the watering trough into which fresh water bubbled up under its own pressure, like a fountain from the artesian well. As the animals began to suck in the sweet, cool water that came from deep under the Akali Flats, Pete turned to the old man and said, Appaloosas, aren't they? You know something about horses, don't you? Hatsy said, and he didn't sound as tired as he had before. Are they broke for the saddle? Pete asked, hopefully. 
Wouldn't have a horse that won't broke the both saddle and the harness, said the old man. Plenty of times I packed into where the good fishing is after wagon country peters out. Without asking, Pete knew that the horses had had enough water for the time being. Taking first one halter, then the other, he patted each horse as if he'd known it a long time, then turned them towards the brand new barn. What do you call them? he asked. Raindrop and polka dot, Hatsy replied. Do you mind if I give them a little oats after a while? They do fine on nothing but grass, Hatsy said. But Lem Perkins's oats never hurt them. I'll rub them down, too. He led the horses to the barn, which was still so new that it didn't have much of a horsey smell. At the door, Old Chief, Uncle Lem's small fat dog, greeted them and wagged his tail in delight. Chief was so old that he spent most of his time lying in the sun now, although he'd been a good pack rat catcher in his day. Here's company for you, Chief, Pete said, and while Chief stood by for an hour, he curried and brushed the strange-looking coats of the two Appaloosas. In spite of the arrival of the guests, supper was silent as usual. Pete was still surprised at how little ranch people talked during meals. But they were hungry, and food was there to eat. Afterward, if there was time, talking would start. Tonight, Pete was even more surprised by his Aunt Clara. She let Hatsy eat the entire meal with his black sombrero on. Although she told Pete the first day that she had a rule nobody could wear his Stetson in her house. Not even Uncle Lem. Aunt Clara saw Pete staring and said to him quietly, Hatsy never takes his hat off. Presently, Uncle Lem said, What you gonna do this summer, Hatsy? Go prospecting for uranium or something? That's the ideal. Maybe I'll try it, Hatsy answered. But in between times, I'm mainly gonna try some new bait I got from an Indian in the Arizona desert. Fish taken to growing on cactuses down there lately? Uncle Lem asked with a straight face. Just like uranium's taking a sprout number to hills up here, Hatsy replied. Aunt Clara snorted. Then she got up to clear the table and the cowhands filed out. Now would be the time to set out on that screen porch I haven't got, said Aunt Clara. We was fixin' to put it on when the new barn burned down, Hatsy. Not that you seem to mind the mosquitoes. Or maybe that's why you're so skinny. You've been donating blood to the pests for the last 75 years, sleeping out the way you do. Hatsy cackled. <laughs> At least I don't get rheumatics the way some folks do. And then he added seriously, I sure am sorry for all your bad luck. It's hard on Pete here too, Uncle Lem said. He likes horses and he came out expecting to ride right along with me in the hands. But I haven't got an extra animal in the place that's gentle enough, so I'd risk anybody but Slim on it. He's the only cowpoke alive that's made of nothing but rawhide and rubber. It seems like it'll be a couple of weeks before Slim gets one of them hammerheads so he can understand Chicago lingo. Hatsy was silent for a minute. Then he said, Seeing your chuck is so good, Clary, I might arrange to stay over an extra day and let Pete see how he likes the fit of my saddle on Raindrop. Well, that's swell, Pete said. Thanks a lot. The saddle ought to fit, too. We're just about the same size. 
It's up to you, Hatsu, Uncle Lem said. It sure would be nice for Pete. You know you're always welcome. Especially since you always leave the sheets as clean as you find them, Aunt Clary added. Speaking of that, Hatsy said, I guess Pete was better down them Appaloosies, so I'll just crawl into my Sugans before the best sleeping part of the night gets too far past. Pete went out and helped the old man get the quilts he called Sugans from the covered wagon and watched while he laid them on a tarpaulin on the ground under the wagon. I'll be out early in the morning, Pete said. Don't be too sure you'll find me right here, Hatsy said. Nobody's beat me out of bed since Pecos Bill tipped a Rio Grande on end to wet his whistle. Pete returned to the house hoping to get his aunt and uncle to answer questions he wanted to ask about Hatsy. Who was he? Why did he roam around in his wagon? How did they know him so well? And why did he do so many curious things, like wearing moccasins and a hat at the table? But the others had gone to bed already, so Pete turned in too, full of thoughts about the Appaloosas and the day in the saddle he had been promised.